You're listening to the BJJ Globetrotters Pirate Radio Podcast, brought to you from St. Bart in the French West Indies. We talk jiu-jitsu, traveling, and people who do things a bit different in life. I am your host, Christian Graugard. Hello everyone and welcome to episode 16 of the BJJ Club Charters Pirate Radio Podcast. Uh, we are still in quarantine, so this is another quarantine special. In this episode, I am calling up Heather Raftery, um, who is someone I have kind of been following for many years. Um, and then I forgot her for a while. Like. <laughs> It's nothing personal, just like we we talked a little bit here and there over the years. Um, because at some point she she bought she quit her job to buy an old um Volkswagen bus, like a van, and drive across the US and live in it. And I remember I kind of I talked to her just very br- briefly many years ago about that and I sponsored her a little bit of like some patches early on when Club Charles was was just starting out. Uh, we reconnected a few years later um, when she came to teach at um, one of our camps. Um, and now trying to find, think of people I could talk with about uh, like is during this this um, this quarantine where I can't go anywhere. Um, she kind of came to mind as someone who might have an interesting story. So I decided to call her up and um, have a little chat with her about... Um, how she decided to uh, quit her job and live in a van and just train jiu-jitsu full-time. So here's a little interview with Heather, and I hope you enjoy it. Hey, Christian, can you hear me all right? Yes, and am I going through a while? Yeah, oh, perfect. Okay, I had to close the door to to my living room where the router is because there is a gecko in there, I just found out, so... (laughs) <laughs> I, I don't want it to run out and like oh <laughs> like crawl up my leg in the middle of the interview okay well i'm currently out in the desert so the odds of a lizard crawling up my leg are pretty high as well all right good yeah maybe we can coordinate that somehow <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what are you doing out in the desert i mean i know you live there but you don't live there yeah <laughs> well i since the coronavirus has happened, I've been spending my time with a wildlife uh, videographer. Um, he's done a couple. Have you seen a plant? What is it? Uh, Night on Earth on Netflix? I have not. It's a documentary. It's an animal documentary. And he has a couple. Uh, he's done a couple of the, the desert scenes in it. So I've been kind of trailing behind him basically an un, unpaid intern kind of learning the tricks of the trade out here oh, nice. and it's about an hour south of uh tucson where i live so i just pop down here for a couple of days and then head back up right cool okay nice um yeah <clears throat> um i didn't really prepare anything for this but i guess we'll just <laughs> that's okay we'll we just talk it. a little bit and then see what happens i always imagine it'll take like 20 minutes and then it ends up taking forever but Let's see. <laughs> sure. <laughs> I just thought it was an interesting story, and I was just looking for people to call. Uh, yeah. Which is recording now, by the way. I mean, oh, yeah, there's no not worries. really intro or anything. So. Um, yeah, I was just looking. 
trying to think about like interesting stories, people I could call since I can't really leave the house. So <laughs> yeah. at least I can just sit here and call people. So um, are you in St. Bart's right now? I am. I am. Yeah, I am. Is in, it pretty locked down? Uh, yeah, the island is, is completely uh, uh, locked off from the entire world. So full no isolation, borders closed. No one goes in, no one goes out. How's the how's the food situation been and supplies and everything? No, that's not that's not an issue. Like tankers or like like um the big ships are still coming in with, with food oh. and stuff from France, so that's mm-hmm. that's no problem at all. But um yeah, it's it's good. It's um there's been six cases here total. Uh last one was like four weeks ago and they're all healed. Oh wow. So now we are at zero. And everybody's super excited about that. Um, like pretty strict lockdown still, but yeah. Um, but they just ordered. Um, they just spent a ton of money on like testing equipment, so they want to test everyone on the island since there's only ten thousand people here. Yeah. Uh, so hopefully they can do that, and then confirmed it. There's no one here, and then we can live in a little paradise bubble, like have a normal life. <laughs> <laughs> this this might be this might be the only place in the world where you can train jujitsu very soon. Yeah, in twenty twenty. So. so, at least with uh, more than you know four people, I've I luckily all my roommates train, so we've had our little teeny pod oh, okay, and a yeah. couple zebra mats or not zebra mats but puzzle mats. Right. Now we actually closed down very early when there was the first first. Um, um first act first infected on the island like someone's parents came in in the carnival that's actually that's more than two weeks two months ago we just closed down immediately just it's a very small oh, wow. island. We, it's a very small island so it's easy uh, to do yeah it's more like you know, if it things spread very fast when when it's so small so i just said mm-hmm. okay let's might as well close earlier than like then a little bit too soon a little bit too late for sure um yeah, so um, fingers crossed, fingers crossed, but it is what it is. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it definitely is what it is. All right, um, all right. So um, as I said, I was just kind of thinking about people I could call and talk to a little bit for the Corona quarantine special podcast, um, and uh, you had a little bit of a, an interesting story of living in a bus for a while. So um, I thought we could talk a little bit about that. Let's, why don't we just take it from the from the beginning? Like the whole, um, the whole thing. The whole maybe you wanna <laughs> Maybe you want to just spend like a few minutes introducing yourself to the few listeners who don't know who you are. Even though okay. Kind yeah. of a big deal, um, right? <laughs> nah. Um, so my name is Heather Raftery. I am an Autos Black Belt. Uh, I also have a master's degree in international development. Did you say autist? Atos. <laughs> yeah. Does everybody no, pronounce it Atos over there? I, I don't know. I, I just heard artist. Artist. No. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. English, English is not my first language. That's probably. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah Atos. Um, depending on where you're at. Atos under Andre Galval. Um, yeah. And I. Actually, it's interesting. I'm up for my first degree on my black belt this July, so we'll see if I can even leave the state and go get that. Um, Might have to be an uh, online promotion. 
Oh, that would be awful. <laughs> By email. <laughs> yeah. Just do a a split screen on Instagram story. Well, I, That'd be I think great. I think Zoom on these days is, is where the, the young kids hang out. Oh, Zoom. That's right. <laughs> Except that they're easily hacked. So somebody's going to bound to hack my promotion, send a donkey in there, or, you know. They're going to steal your stripe. Gonna... Someone is going to wear that stripe. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, sorry. Back to the story. <laughs> uh, that might be interesting. I'll have to run it by a professor. Um, two. Oh yeah. So Otto's black belt. Um, bus life for me. i I guess I'm part time now. That's what I have on my Instagram anyway. Um, but I was full time for a little while there, living in San Diego. Let's but start from up. you. You yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. Start from from Miami. As I, I'm just looking at your little uh, kind of bullet points here of, of where you started. Mm-hmm. So let's hear. So it. my Miami was interesting. I so I'm backing up just a little bit, just kind of set the stage. Um, I was born and raised in here in Tucson, Arizona, and uh, went to college here. Then went to grad school in Denver and. Um, before I went to grad school, I bought a 1970 Volkswagen Beetle. And I, I'd always been obsessed with Volkswagens, always. Um, and a bus was kind of out of my reach at that point. And uh, so I had a Beetle when I went to grad school. And I came back to, to Arizona after I graduated. And um, I received a job offer to go to Miami and work for an investigative, an international investigative firm. So basically doing due diligence, uh, doing investigations into money laundering and fraud and all kinds of interesting stuff. Um, never been to Miami. Wasn't even on my radar. I am a through and through West Coast U.S. girl. Grew up near the mountains, out in the desert, riding horses. And so Miami is about as far on the opposite side of the spectrum as you can possibly get. Um, but I spoke Spanish. So they hired me out there, and um, the the office there in Miami was kind of the headquarters for the Latin American division. Um, so we did a lot of investigations into companies in like South America and Central America and even the Caribbean. Um, and it was interesting for a while. I really enjoyed the atmosphere, but the nine to five just wore on me. It was it was just grueling. And around that time, I had already been training jujitsu. I I started training in January two thousand nine, um, actually under Josh Hinger, for the most part. So for two and a half years, I was completely nogi, completely a Josh Hinger student. He was a purple belt at the time. Um, when I moved to Miami, I had just gotten my purple belt. I started training under our cyborg, uh, Abril, there at Fight Sports, and which was amazing. You know, it was it was probably at the time I had never really been affiliated, or before then I'd I'd compete a lot, but I'd never been affiliated with a a high level competitive team, and so that kind of transformed my trajectory in jujitsu quite a bit because I. In Miami, I was waking up at 5.30 in the morning. I was going to strength and conditioning. I was getting back. I was doing the 9 to 5 job um, in an office, no, very little windows, um, full business attire, you know, staring at a computer screen for eight hours, except for the, you know, 30 minutes I had for uh, lunch break. And then after that, I would 
go to train and I would train for two hours, get home and eat something really quick, go to bed, wake up the next day and, and repeat. That sounds Five like something week. I would have to take uh, steroids to keep up with. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm not saying you're on steroids. It would have been, a, it would have been a lot easier to do <laughs> if I had been on steroids for sure. I'm not saying you're not on steroids either. But... <laughs> I know all the rumors about Autos athletes, but I am definitely all natural athlete. I'm just gonna put that on the air right now. <laughs> but. It would have been easier right. <laughs> had I been on steroids. I'm not going to lie. I'm tired just listening to it. <laughs> I do um, a hike twice a week right now, and I'm like dead. <laughs> Winded. Yeah. I definitely worry about my fitness level at the moment. <laughs> uh, three days a week, uh, jiu-jitsu um, with my roommates is like, that's plenty. And I used to be a five, six day <laughs> or six day a week person. Um, but yeah, it was, it was grueling. And I think it was, it was even harder with the nine to five job because it was just, I'm an incredibly efficient worker and, but the, the system, you know, it forces you to be there the eight hours a day. And so a lot of the time I, I just found myself sitting, trying to fill my time and it, it just wears on you. Um, but I was able to, you know, start accomplishing a little bit in my competitive career, and I thought that was cool. And um, I was still, you know, Josh would send me messages every now and then. And by that time, he had graduated from his graduate degree in Indiana and moved back to California, where he's from, and started training with uh, at Autos. Um, and he would always just be send me a message and say, Hey, you, you know, you should consider coming out here. And, um, so I just, I kind of got it wore on me and I, I decided, okay, I'm going to do it, but I'm going to do it a little bit differently. And, uh, I sold my 1970 Volkswagen Beetle and I bought a 1970 Volkswagen bus right. <laughs> and, because that made sense. The and, um, great. Yeah. Yeah, natural upgrade. And I figured, you know, if anything happens and it wasn't really to live the van life. I know around that time, you know, people were just starting to, to have Instagrams where they posted the van life and they were living out of, you know, both Volkswagens and Sprinters and whatever. Um, but it was really, you know, for me, it was it was kind of a security blanket. You know, if worse comes to worse. I could always live in the damn thing. <laughs> so um, I kind of, when I bought it, it was primer gray. Um, it was black inside. Somebody had painted it black inside. It didn't have hardly any seats in it. There was nothing. It was bare bones. And so my last few months in Miami, I just spent as much time as I possibly could just redoing the entire interior, repainting it and, uh, putting a headliner in and putting seats together and trying to fix it up at least to some degree where I could comfortably, semi-comfortably live in it. Um, and it wasn't, you know, luxury at, in any way, shape or form, but it was okay. I could live in it. And so I, I moved into it I moved out of my apartment. I moved into it the last few months in Miami. And we're talking, <laughs> I left Miami in October. 
Um, so it was probably August when I moved into the Volkswagen bus. August how, how in Miami. This? <laughs> this was, I left in 2015. So this was August 2015. I moved out of the apartment that I was staying in and into the bus. And I also had a stray cat at the time, Mr. Fleabags. And so he moved into the bus with me and it was hot as hell. I mean, if anybody, you know, uh, you know, of course, cause I mean, Miami is just basically the Caribbean. Um, like one of the best things I heard while I was living there is the best part about Miami is it's so close to the United States. And it really is true. It is Latin America. It is the Caribbean. And so I had a couple of battery powered fans and every night I'd, I'd point them to me <laughs> in the bus. Um, then I quit my job October, 2015 and I drove for about two weeks. I took my time kind of driving up Florida, which Florida just takes forever to cross. It's then Texas takes another forever to cross. Um, I stopped at jujitsu academies along the way. Um, I stopped in New Orleans and I slept on the mats there. Um, was this around the time where, where I got to talk to you? I got in touch with you the first for the first time. I believe it was. Yeah, I had been aware of you guys for a while and fans of the the project. Um, but I think I, think I just messaged you at first. some point. I think I just yeah. messaged you. I I gotta look up my on my email right now. I know. I, I'm sure there's a, a record of it. Um, I, I forget I if you reached out or I reached out first. I can't remember. Let's figure out. <laughs> yeah. May 2015. Oh, shoot. Uh, so it was right before then. I just huh. want to reach out and see how I can support What did it. I? Oh, you. you. Oh, that's, I did. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay. And I, I replied. I love your bus. Do you travel around in it for training? Oh. oh, I had bought the bus before then. Right. Oh, that's right. Okay, so I kind of interview you a little bit here. Okay, mm -hmm. that is exactly where uh, I just, uh, yeah, I sent you some stuff, right? I Yeah, that's right. You sent me the first set of patches, which I still have um, the big patch with the bus. And, and that's part of the reason why I, I fell in love with the Globetrotters at the very beginning is I love the bus. And right. uh, I still have that patch on my, my competition. Did team. I just send you a patch? <laughs> that's so cheap. You sent me a couple patches, I think. <laughs> <laughs> okay, fair enough. This was very early in Globetrotters. <laughs> I, I think this was about, this was around the time where I just had patches and nothing else really. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. And right. then a couple of years later, you started coming out with like t-shirts and geese and rash guards. And yeah, stuff. yeah. <laughs> right. Okay. That's funny. All right. Well, back to the story. Two weeks, yeah. two weeks driving. Two weeks driving with my cat. Um, I have great pictures of him hanging. I put a harness on him so he wouldn't kind of leave the bus. But he 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 was he was good. He was a really good bus traveler. Uh, went up to Colorado, which you know my bus. I I love it. It's I will never sell this damn thing. But it has a lawnmower engine to propel it. So uh, I don't know if you're familiar with uh, miles, but it top speed is like 55 miles per hour <laughs> i'm gonna google <laughs> it right now so. yeah <laughs> if uh to give that's you a 88 kilometers an hour yeah that's <laughs> yeah. No, no, no well you at least you are not in a hurry so 
No, no, that's the thing. It teaches you incredible patience. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I almost get into a Zen-like state <laughs> when I'm driving cross-country in her. <laughs> Why did you have to? Um, all the people super annoyed at getting stuck no, behind you. <laughs> it's the opposite, actually. I mean, if you see a 50-year-old vehicle on the highway and you're you're passing it, only really, really hardcore assholes are going to honk at you. <laughs> the rest are just going to either shake their head in amazement or wave. I get so many waves and thumbs up. Um, Vietnam veterans love me. Kids point at me on the streets. Oh, yeah, I get a lot of love <laughs> in the bus. Actually. Did, you get, did you get to do a lot of training in those two weeks? Or? Uh, I mean, if, I mean if, if you were going from like... From like uh, training full time, like. Oh yeah, it definitely wasn't. Um, you know, five days a week. I would, I would train at one place and then drive for fourteen, fifteen hours, and maybe have a day somewhere. I trained in New Orleans. I trained in Dallas, I believe. I went up, uh, back up to Denver, and so. Oh, back to what I was saying is it's fifty-five miles per hour, but that's on a straight highway i can i can get up to like 60 miles per hour on a downhill anything over 60 it gets a little scary because it's basically the shape of a bread box and any little wind is gonna just take you <laughs> right over to the other lane um but uphill it it drops to about 25 miles per hour and Colorado is pretty hilly um so you get up into those mountain passes and I had huge semi trucks loaded with just giant logs passing me on an uphill um well, I mean at some point it has to go downhill as well right so oh yeah I mean on average you should it should all level out <laughs> you'd think um but it didn't seem like that. I think I spent the, the longest day driving was about 22 hours um, going up this mountain pass in Colorado. And any normal vehicle, it would probably taken 16 that drive. <laughs> Did the bus like uh, hold up the entire trip or? Pretty much. I mean, we had a couple instances where I was really we as in you, you and your cat or oh well me the cap in the bus okay yeah yeah bus is uh her name's bonnie clyde and so uh we as in the the bus and i and and then the cat was just along for the ride um so it was interesting we trained in denver and then i headed back down from denver trained in uh, with Rafael Barata in, in, uh, Santa Fe and then I, or Albuquerque, one of those. I trained in, I trained in both places and they're just an hour apart. Mm. And then I came down to Arizona, dropped my cat off at my parents' place and then headed out to California. Here's a straight cat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He is, though, the best cat in the entire world. He is the coolest cat I've ever met. So my mom uh, was pretty excited through your Instagram about and it. looking at pictures of it. So. Yeah, the yellow one is Mr. Fleabags. He's the cool cat. Um, Gooby is a is bipolar, so that's fun. Um, 
But Mr. Fleabags, yeah, he was a trooper for about two weeks. And then I moved out to California, lived in the fighter house, the Autos fighter house for a couple months. And then... Is it an ultimate fighter house or just a regular fighter house? It's just a fighter, a regular fighter house, just a house that somebody manages and, you know, any visitors come, mostly Brazilians. And I actually lived, when I moved into it, Josh was kind of managing it. And then Lucas Barbosa had just arrived to the States. He barely knew any English. Um, so he was my roommate for a couple months. Um, I had a, a mattress underneath the stairs. <laughs> there were two bedrooms. It was a tiny little apartment, two bedrooms, and there are two beds in each bedroom. And there was a mattress under the stairs. And, and then we could shove somebody on the couch if we really absolutely they, needed to. They thought that she was, she was coming from a bus. She can sleep under the stairs. It's not going to complain. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I would have stayed in the bus, um, but I had to get some work done on it. The the wiring had to be completely redone, and it took a lot longer than expected. And, I mean, for a 50-year-old vehicle, you know, that's okay. I, I tell everybody, most a lot of people have car payments, but I have car repair payments. So, and it, it works itself out. I, I'm, I appreciate that I don't have endless car payments. And then uh, I moved into an apartment for a little bit. Uh, to establish residency, um, because at that time I was working for Fighters Market. I don't know if you're familiar with that. Uh, not really. It's um, it's an e-commerce business that sells geese and all kinds of stuff. It's uh, run by Bruno Munderuka, and uh, they basically they sell a lot of kings and Maeda geese, and they sponsor a lot of the big IBJJF events. Um, so I, I was kind of working marketing for them for a little bit. And then I, I, after I established residency, I moved back into the bus and I was in the bus for about a year and a half living in California. Um, and it was awesome. <laughs> Let's how, how is that? I, I'm sure people are wondering, like, how is living in a bus for a year and a half? Where, where, where were you staying? Just like random places or? Random places. And sometimes depending on if I had to to get up early and train at the, the academy. I would stay in the academy parking lot. Um, but California is incredibly easy to live in, in your vehicle. Um, I usually, I stayed probably three or four blocks away from the beach, kind of just sleeping on the side, on the side streets. There were so many people already doing that, both in sprinter vans and campers and, um, there's a couple other older Volkswagens, a lot of Westphalias. Mine doesn't have a pop top. So, uh, which is, is okay. Um, because I'm not very tall, but I, I still can't stand fully upright. Um, and then in, so in each the it's the legality of it is different in each County. Technically, it's not exactly legal to uh, habitate in your your vehicle in San Diego County, but it's not really enforced. Um, the only time they enforce it is if somebody complains. So that's why, you know, you have to be pretty strategic on, on where you park. It's called stealth camping. And so you don't park in front of somebody's house for endless days. You have to move around a little bit. So I had maybe five or six spots that I would move around. And my bus, like I said, I kind of cobbled it together. And, and now it's actually in, in 
incredible shape. I've had enough time to work on it and create this fold out bed. And, you know, it, <laughs> it's a lot more livable now than it was when I was living in San Diego, um, actually living in it. But um, no, I had a little camper sto stove for meals and then I had a cooler for for food, but I would have to go to the grocery store about every two days. I couldn't keep anything very long. And no sink, no, no bathroom, obviously. Um, and so, but that was never an issue. I, there was always. How does that even work? I'm, yeah. If, if, <laughs> Everybody asks. If you're parking in front of someone's house, what do you just go? Yeah. I mean, I guess they have a garden, but. <laughs> no, I would not go to the restroom in somebody's garden, <laughs> violate their flowers. Um, <laughs> it, uh, I, you would just learn to to hold it and then go to the bathroom at strategic points during the day. Um, so I, I trained and then I, I had you can a poop on command right now. <laughs> pretty much. I can hold it a long time. I can't, I can't say that I can really truly poop on command, <laughs> but if I need to poop, I can hold it for at least an hour, two hours. It's a very valuable skill for jujitsu competitions. Uh, incredible, incredible skill. <laughs> you have to wait for 10 hours. And, like, the toilets are just bombed with like super nervous white belts. <laughs> right. Oh, God. <laughs> I still have nightmares about the bathrooms of the Europeans in Portugal. <laughs> Man, they were the worst. They were definitely the worst bathrooms I've ever. It was ever like literally over. like being at some disgusting music festival at the end of the week, <laughs> and it's like yeah. five thousand people use the same bathroom, and they, oh, they're all super oh. nervous and have diarrhea, and, and there's, there's no <laughs> toilet paper. It's, it's like a nightmare. People just sleeping everywhere. Yeah, it was the oh, I remember bringing my own toilet paper too. Yeah. Oh my god. Because they run out at the Europeans, they always run out of toilet paper. Yeah, two hours into day one, <laughs> and there are no locks on the doors. It's like an absolute. It's like it's like a scene out of Saw. Sometimes, like. Right. God. I'll never go back. I hear the new place is nicer, but I mean that. Oh my. Oh, god. they moved. Yeah, to like a n nice big modern place or something. So I don't know, but the last, are they in Odavellas or was that no the last idea. time you were in there? I don't remember when I was there last time, maybe 2013 or something, 14, but we did, we did like quite many years in a row. Oh, okay. Oh my, oh my God. I was dreading I wonder if it every it's, year. The bathrooms are still awful. At, if it's, a, if it's the same one, I do remember the bath, bathrooms were awful. If it's that was not the, the same one, then the bathrooms are still that awful. That was making me way more scared than the competition. That's like I, ha I knew I had to be in that sports hall. And the only, only food you can get was fucking acai. That's like the only oh. thing they were selling. It's like people just eating ice cream with granola like for five days. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. I'm almost crying at how disgusting that was. Oh, uh, man. At the least it was expensive. Were probably so. stained purple. <laughs> yeah, it was. It was just like a huge purple bomb, white belt, <laughs> white belt, purple bomb, acai bomb. Oh my god! And you've and there are a lot of big people in Europe, like all the Scandinavians. I, like I, I can imagine. I always had, I always brought a big team, and there's a lot of beginners, so I had to be there like all day. Oh, oh the sure. first two days of. Just beginners. I had to be there from like morning till evening. Oh, okay, okay. Oh, that's, that's awful. I, yeah, I would shit in anyway. I would shit in someone's garden any day over that for sure. 
<laughs> All right. Anyway, let's get back to the story. Yeah. Right. <laughs> um. Yeah. So it, I mean, between jujitsu, between I, I was also, you know, sponsored by a strength and conditioning uh, gym, Performance Three Hundred and Sixty at the time. Um, and then I, I did yoga a couple days a week, which the yoga was was perfect. I, I enjoy yoga. I'm not in love with yoga, but they had amazing showers and they had a late night class. <laughs> so between and clean bathrooms, training and cl- super clean bathrooms. Oh, it was great. That was well worth the money spent on a yoga membership um, because I could start my day off with strength training. You know, the competition training was at uh, 11 to to one ish or 11 to 12:30, depending on how close we were to tournaments. And then at the end of the day, uh, I would maybe do a yoga class or, you know, switch it up a little bit. I was also doing, you know, online work remotely. So I, I'd spend a lot of time in coffee shops. So having access to a, a restroom was never an issue. Whether or not it was cleaned, yeah, that was give or take. <laughs> but, uh, you know, when you're living in your vehicle, you you can't really be that picky. Right. What about... Um... <clears throat> So how did it all work out like financially? I'm sure people say like, oh, I can't just quit my job. And I guess in the U.S. there's also like health insurance and stuff to worry about if you don't have a job or like. Right. How, how did that all work out for you? Just like stop working and, and live in a bus? and. So initially I was working, I had a technically a full time job with Fighters Market. Um, and so I was under, they, they paid a portion to health insurance and, you know, that was that was workable. Um, and then I started getting more and more work from, uh, contracted clients. So like flow grappling, I would do some work for, uh, there was another firm that I was doing in like investigative research for, and I was all remote. And, um, I started writing blogs and writing articles for other clients. And so it, it, it got to a point where it was, I was actually had a lot, I was making just as much money, but I had a lot more free time doing, as a freelancer. Hmm. So I, I quit the fighters market job and actually I retained them later as a, a client, which was nice. Um, and then that freed up my time to, to kind of do competitions. And I was making just enough to, you know, pay my bills. And I also had student loans from grad school. So I like, you know, it, it was well worth moving into the bus because I was still in, in San Diego County. Um, man, the, the rent is for a bedroom when I was establishing residency, a bedroom in a two bedroom apartment apartment, I was paying well over a thousand dollars a month. And that was considered reasonable for San Diego. If you wanted to get a, a studio apartment, it's like 1600 to even 2,500 uh, a month. And so I was probably saving about a grand every month living in the the bus, even though I had to, you know, the the food expenses increased quite a bit just because I I was always at a coffee shop. I had to be there. I had to buy a coffee or buy a little meal there. Um, So my my food budget increased, but not enough to really like affect me that much. I was still saving about a grand a month and I, I think I mentioned that grand was going straight into my savings account and I was able to put a down payment on a house, which is 
with a, a student loan and, and I, I think I mentioned, oh, maybe I didn't. Um, so depending on where you go, there's public universities, which you would still have to take out a, a loan if you can't afford it. And then there are private universities, which are probably double or even triple the cost of a public going to a public university. And so I came out of grad school with $80,000 in loans. God damn it. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> yeah. Whew. It was pretty significant. And they still, the, the government, you know, has all of these things that you can defer it for years if you're not making enough money or, you know, all of these other things. But the, the interest still piles up. Mm. So if I can't afford it to pay my loan payment. They'll say, okay, you you don't have to pay that much, you know, for however long it takes for you to find a good job, but the interest is still piling up. So by the time you can pay it, you know, 20 years down the road, your $80,000 loan had has blossomed to probably $180,000 oh, by the time you finish paying it. It's a scam. I, I'm, um, I'm, I'm stressed out just hearing about it. <laughs> <laughs> it was I can't say I both regret it and don't regret going to grad school. Um I don't regret getting the like leaving the state and and being around all of these really brilliant people and and getting the education, but I do regret spending that much money on it. Um but that's what I mean you're here, I don't know if it's the same, you know, in Europe, but here you're just like that that's what you do you go to school if you can't afford it you get a, a loan and you'll afford it later but nobody tells you oh but this loan will cost you double the amount that it initially did you know we don't have in our our education system we don't have you know any courses that teach you financial responsibility or even you know any of the the skills that you really really truly need when you get kicked out of the house well how, yeah if you did how can you convince people to take up to go into debt all their lives huh? right exactly and so you just kind of gloss it over and then you know the the government's the only one that kind of truly makes out and it's expected so that they justify it they justify it no with the idea that once you graduate you get a a job that's higher paying than you would if you didn't graduate. And so you'll eventually be able to pay it off pretty fast. But that depends on the job market and what, um, you know, what degree you get. If you go to the same school, the same school I went to, you know, I did uh, for graduate school, I did international development, but the same school has like liberal arts programs. And if you're not a very good artist and you still pay, $80,000 and that's on scholarship. I had a, a small scholarship. So there's plenty of people that probably still have a $100,000 loan that they're paying off for a liberal arts degree that they can't do shit with. Right. Yeah, that's just sad. <laughs> it's larceny. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah. It's yeah, that's not that's not freedom. No, it's that not. doesn't sound like the land of the land of the free to me. <laughs> All right. Anyway. Anyway, let's so get back to the fun I stuff. Was able to, yeah, the fun stuff. Let's. Well, um, so, um, um, were you ever like afraid of anything? Was there any danger or like you're 
a woman alone. There are a couple a of moments with like a for with sure. like a thirty year old lock on the door. Oh, how, 50, 50, right? 50 year old. That log was invented 50 years ago. <laughs> I know. <laughs> and really, like the, the locks just for show. Um, my ignition is my uh, ignition is pulled out. So I start the bus with a, a screwdriver and then the uh, little side window flaps. I can whenever I, I don't I I've locked my keys inside. I can always punch through the side window and really unlock myself. So it really wasn't, you know, <laughs> if they if somebody wanted to get in there, they absolutely could. Um, but I only had a couple weird things happen. Um, of course, you know, it being illegal, I've had a, the cops called on me um, once. Uh, I was kind of I had already woken up. I had already trained. It was probably seven o'clock in the morning. I was still pretty exhausted. I had worked till midnight the night before. And so I was like, I'm, I'm just going to close my eyes for a second. Um, but I, I guess the place I parked was a little bit too close to kind of a little upper class area. And uh, the person whose house I parked alongside, I didn't park in front of it, uh, called the police. And and um, so I got a, I woke up to a knock on my window and it was this real friendly police guy. And he was like, Hey, you know, when I got a call, the, the person said they thought the, the individual in the vehicle might be on drugs. Obviously that's not the case. Steroids, right? She meant steroids. <laughs> yeah, steroids. <laughs> she can't possibly be training that much. <laughs> and, um, so he just, you know, said, hey, I just have to warn you. I don't care, but, you know, technically it's not legal and we have to respond to these calls. <laughs> so that was once. Um, the scariest time was probably a couple months after that. Um, there was this, I was, I, one of my regular spots was against this, um, this park area. And uh, there was an, an older lady. She had to have been in her 60s. And she was also living in her Volkswagen bus and it looked like a cousin of mine. And uh, she was a bit of a hoarder. So there was a, quite a bit more stuff than I had in mind. Um, but she would, she'd like to kind of chit chat with me a little bit. She was, she was a little crazy. Um, but most, you know, people who live in their vans have to have just a touch of, of crazy. Um, so she was telling me that she had heard there was this guy at night jumping on people's vehicles in that area and jumping on the windows so that they cracked. Um, so on a, a car that's, that's definitely doable because you know, you have the hood and then you have the, the windshield is kind of at an angle and you can really kind of step on it and then just, yeah, I know how a car it. looks. Yeah. <laughs> but thank so, you. On the, yeah, I appreciate will. it. <laughs> <laughs> I better explain this to European how a car looks. <laughs> Well, you know, for your listeners, if they're... Uh, if anyone out there has never seen a car before, Heather will not explain how it looks. Well, now I'm going to explain how my car looks. Is the windshield, there's no hood, the engine's in the back, and the windshield is completely vertical to the, or almost completely vertical to the, to the roadway. <laughs> okay, so this is, it's... I, I just blew her off because I thought, you know, there's no way, no way somebody's going to try to kick out my windshield. 
sure enough, two weeks after that, um, I was sleeping, dead asleep, and I woke up to my bus shaking. Like somebody had just took a running leap and kicked at my windshield. And I was like, whoa. And I waited a second. And then the somebody tried to do it again. And in my gruffest, most manliest voice I could drum up, <laughs> I was like, hey. <laughs> and I, I hear outside a, a man's voice and it's like, what's up? And footsteps walking away. <laughs> Scared the living shit out of me. Because <laughs> I don't know what I would have done if he had tried to pursue it. You know, hope I think I, I like to believe that I scared him off with my deep manly voice. <laughs> you know, <laughs> he had no idea what he was going <laughs> to. Except that my bus is like bright yellow and painted with a big colorful tree on the front so <laughs> but that was probably the scariest moment that that guy trying to kick in my window yeah that sounds not too nice but the steroid voice did the job <laughs> yeah it did the job <laughs> thank god <laughs> thanks god for thank god for hdh <laughs> yeah <laughs> I actually, I actually once got. Oh, this is a longer story. I'm not gonna tell it. But I once got stuck in the bathroom <laughs> with a, with a, like 15 uh, senior women outside. I was I, I was <laughs> no. sneaking into the the women's bathroom because you no, know, it's cleaner. And I, I had to change my voice to sound like a like a girl. <clears throat> oh, that's a long story. Let's hear it. Let's hear it, Christian. <laughs> it's not the theme of the podcast, but. <laughs> Well, okay, 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 okay. Okay, I'll tell it. I'll try to make it short. <laughs> so when when I did jujitsu full time, I had this gym and I did nothing but just hang out there all day, like from morning till evening pretty much. And mm -hmm. this is this, this huge sports comp complex with tons of sports and um, there's a lot of stuff going on. There's a lot of like public sports, public funded things and like schools use it and it's like an enormous place. And there's also a lot of, in the daytime, there's a lot of handicapped people doing, like, gymnastics and stuff. Um, mm -hmm. um, and Down syndrome, like, like mm -hmm. people don't. So they're doing, like, gymnastics and meditation and stuff, like, just down the hallway from me. And they also sometimes use the bathroom. Anyway, so I've been sitting there on my computer and, like, doing stuff. And sometimes I, I'm so deep into the work that I don't go to the bathroom for, like, hours. You know, I, like you, I can hold it in. <laughs> but then I just really have to go home. So I really have to, like, I really have to take a, a huge dump. <laughs> it was like, at this at this point, I was um, I was trying to gain a lot of weight, and I was just eating a lot of weight gainer. Mm -hmm. um, mut oh, mutant God, mass. Those, those big sacks <laughs> called mutant mass. <laughs> like three shakes a day or something, try to get to 100 kilos. <laughs> I just try to get as fat as possible, like deadlift. Ah, this is Christian, like 23 years old. <laughs> <clears throat> anyway, so I'm like, oh damn, I've been holding in this mutant mask for way too long. <laughs> like I just have to run to the bathroom. And so I run down there and I just I walk into the men's room and there's just two stalls and both the doors are open and two guys with Down syndrome just sit there like with the completely naked on each oh. the toilet. They sit there completely naked and like shout to each other through like the little kind of 
<laughs> like little like super thin wall, but the doors are open and they're they they taken out off all their clothes to to sit on the toilet, and I was yeah. like, oh, damn, I can't wait for that. So I'm just like, this is this is the middle of the day. There's no one there, and I'm like, okay, I'm just gonna sneak next door into the women's bathroom. So I go in there, lock the door, and it's like, oh. but there's also a lot of like old people doing like um like gymnastics and stuff there oh, out sure. there so like they water things and <laughs> yes this is like the middle of the day so there's like huge groups of that and they have their break right at this moment so they all they all like kind of walk into the to the to the bathroom like 15 women like in their 70s just like talking la, 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 just like talking oh there's someone here there's someone here and like I probably I probably can't retell it as as well in English, but I will try. So so they're like lining up together, and there's two two stalls, like, and I'm in one of them, and I'm like, fuck, fuck, there's like 15 women out there just like waiting in line to get in, and I'm like, I'm, I'm just gonna wait this out. I'm just gonna sit here quietly and wait this out until they all finish in the other toilet, and it takes like a few minutes. Oh, they're like, oh, there's someone in there already. Okay. And then it takes like a few minutes and they're like, I wonder if, who it is. And uh, because there's no one, no one out there. And I'm like, I'm just going to sit completely quiet and just wait. This is before smartphones. So I, I don't know. Maybe I was playing, maybe I was like playing snake on my, on my <laughs> phone or something. You know, that's all I had. Or uh, texting someone. And they're all like, and then after like 10 minutes, because these women are slow. And I was like, yeah. then, the time passes, and they get they get a little bit nervous about the, the person in my bathroom stall. Like, who who, who is in there? You. Yeah, they're worrying about me, <laughs> and I'm like, I'm really like, fuck, get this over with. I really don't want to get out and just like get back to work. And at some point, they're like, oh, I wonder who it is. And then they say a little bit loud, I wonder if it's like this this name, like <laughs> this name of some other old lady. <laughs> yeah, where is she? Is she is is she here? Or her? And, then okay? <laughs> and yeah that's like, that was the next thing so i'm like fuck and then they're like um and they're like is that you is is, is it is she okay and, and then then they start knocking the door and like is is that you in there like some name <laughs> and i'm like fuck fuck if i don't reply they're gonna like try to open it because <laughs> because they think like i'm an old lady who died or something <laughs> But but if I reply, I'm gonna I'm gonna reveal myself that I've just been sitting there for 15 minutes. A guy in the women's bathroom, like taking up the the space from the 75 year old women in their lunch break. So I just like I'm like fuck 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 what would I do? And they're like, it's, are you okay? Is that are, are you okay in there? And I'm like, mm. and the moment I said that sound, the moment I said that sound. I just knew I could not walk out of there anymore because now they were like, it's, and they were like, oh, oh, is, is it you? Um, something named like, and I'm like, mm -hmm. and I really tried to make like the most, oh my God. And I just sat there like just un, unleashing mutant mass, fucking four and a half thousand calories a day. <laughs> and, oh my God. and at this moment they're like oh okay okay i guess that's okay so it's not you you and you're okay and like fuck now <laughs> now they think i'm a woman who's just been sitting in there for 15 minutes and after like 25 minutes i just give up i just i, I cannot wait any longer they're like oh she's oh so God. slow they say like really loud and i just i just walk out and they all oh, oh the look on their faces <laughs> The look on their faces, like, I've never felt so judged before in my life. 
<laughs> so, yeah. That's brilliant. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I don't know. It's not my proudest moment, but what could I do? I mean, I had already first, yeah, I had already set set the whole scene for me being some old lady. <laughs> And then I had to reveal it eventually because it took forever. I just couldn't wait any longer. The, oh, yeah. There's a limit to how much you can place. probably take five minutes. There's a limit to how much you can play Snake on a Nokia 3310 or whatever that phone was. <laughs> <Yeah>. <clears throat> Nightmare. Nightmare scenarios in those days. <laughs> and I can't even imagine. Like, now I could probably hand handle a lot of awkward situations. Uh, like fine right. but 23 year old you is probably that know. was the worst thing that had ever happened to oh, you. They, they were like everything you know the look on their faces when they, they were like oh he's been in there all the time and he's a guy and he pretended to be an old woman <laughs> and he completely nuked the toilet <laughs> like, thinking, oh my god i was so ashamed <laughs> <laughs> anyway. That's one of the greatest stories I've ever heard. <laughs> <sighs> oh, oh, I'm crying right now. <laughs> I'm sorry about that. But anyway, sometimes it, it, it does pay off to change your voice, but not in that moment. No. I was, stu <laughs> no. I was stuck there. Yeah. Had there been one one more stall, you would have probably gotten away. Right, with it. right. That would have that would have like cut the, their time by half, the time they needed. But they were so annoyed that someone was in there for so long, like in their oh, lunch yeah. in their break. Oh you see, if you had been smart though, you would have like tried to consider, oh I won't my period or you know like yeah i don't know anything some, about that I don't, some I don't know, excuse i don't know anything about played that. the pity card <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh. yeah oh yeah yeah okay well back to your story yeah anyway was it a difficult decision to to uh just quit everything and move into a bus and drive shoot yeah, yeah it was you know because um you know as much as the nine to five is, is taxing and draining, you know, there's a sense of security to it. <laughs> Moving into a 50 year old vehicle, um, with no job offer across the country and, you know, just to pursue jujitsu, that's, you know, there's, that's a lot of uncertainty, you know, going from a regular paycheck to, Maybe I'll have some semblance of a paycheck. Maybe I can, you know, have make enough to eat and, you know, pay my loans, my student loans, because they were still going to be the, there. Um, that it was scary. And, you know, for the first couple of weeks, I, I didn't really sleep very well um, because you you don't it. There's something something very comforting about having four walls and a door between you and er the outside world when you're asleep. Right. Even if that there's no lock on it, you know, there's, there's some false sense of security, but it's a sense of security that allows you to sleep at night. <laughs> um, and when you're in a vehicle, I mean, there's been times, especially in, in California where I, I usually parked was in Pacific beach, which is, you know, known for having a lot of the university kids and, you know, from Thursday to Saturday night, there are people 
um, partying and going to the bars and, you know, walking home and being really loud and drunk. And there's just a car, a vehicle window separating me from them on the street. So, you know, I don't think I ever slept the entire way through very often. Um, I definitely did up in, you know, when I slept in the Autos parking lot, because one, no cop was going to rap on my window. Two, it was a pretty well lit, you know, there were cameras in the parking lot. And, and so like, there was a sense of security there. And it was home, you know, the, the academy was, was my home, you know, my, my home away from home. How was the so first night? Sense... You, how was the first night you ever slept in a car? Oh, it was, it was miserable. You know, I was in Miami, <laughs> you know, and Miami has, uh, you know, isn't the most, the safest place to live. Um, and it was, I think I, I got two hours of sleep that entire night total. So I would doze off and then something, just a normal night sound. I'd hear something outside my window and, and I'd be straight awake. And then I'd doze off and straight awake again, you know. So what do you think after that? Like... I was like, oh, my God, how am I going to be able to do this? <laughs> you know, I questioned myself for about a week. Then it got better. And I was like, OK, I think I, I think I can do this maybe for a little while. We'll see how long I can do it. And and then it just extended on and I became more comfortable with it. Um, you know, I, I still get, you know, if I'm taking the bus somewhere unfamiliar, um, mm. like and I have to stay over at an unfamiliar city. I still am a little bit on edge because I, I don't know where those spots are that I can stay and no one will bother me, you know? Do you stay more, but, did you stay more in, the, in like cities or outside of the cities? It was, when I was training and living in San Diego, it was definitely in the city. I didn't, you know, live anywhere else outside. Um, but when I, whenever I traveled, so I traveled from, I bought the bus in Arizona. So Arizona to Miami and then Miami back to Denver and Arizona. And then, you know, there's one summer I, I took the bus from California to Wyoming because I was helping my dad one summer in Wyoming back to California. So when I was traveling across the States, there's a lot of national parks hmm. and you can park for free in them. Some of them have campsites, but there's a lot of free parking. And so I would park, you know, just out in in the wilderness somewhere and that was a pretty good night's sleep you know because I had been raised on branches my entire life out our closest neighbor uh, miles from us so I was comfortable being out in the wilderness so that was nice um, but because I was uh, basically a semi-professional athlete um I had to stay pretty close to the the university or the the academy there in San Diego, um, so much of my time van lifing was in cities. Hmm. Did mm. Did you ever get to a point where where you just where you just got fully comfortable with sleeping in the bus, like regardless of the surroundings? Yeah, I think this last actually, you know, after I moved back to Tucson. I bought my house and I've spent two kind of training camps back in California. And I noticed that I can just go to sleep like nothing. You know, it just doesn't matter anymore because, you know, I, I know that the cops are going to, if they, if I get wrapped on the window, they'll just ask me to leave. You know, they always give you a warning. 
And then I know the spots where I, I can, I won't be interrupted and staying by the Academy. Perfect. And so it was just, you know, you, it was like going to your room at night, you know, I'd close the, the bus door. I would pull the sheets and the curtains closed and, you know, I would just go to sleep. And most of the people at Autos knew, you know, that I was living in my bus. And so I, there was a kind of a sense of security there too, cause they, they weren't going to bother me and they'd also, you know, kind of, you know, watch out for me. And so that was, you know, the last two training camps that I've spent back in San Diego, I had, I never had an issue falling asleep. I remember I stayed in this, um, when I was young, I don't, when was this? It's a while ago. I, I, I was mm -hmm. in Jamaica alone. For some time, oh, wow. for a little bit, not for long, maybe like a week. Jamaica, Cuba, mm. Mexico, and I stayed in this place. It was I remember exactly when it was. It was when uh, when Obama was elected president because I saw that on. Oh TV. yeah. When was that? Twenty two thousand eight or something, something uh, like that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, and I. I remember I thought I, I just I want to try to do something that's like outside of my comfort zone. So I found this this eco uh, like place where they just build like weird. I, I should actually look it up. I got to find it. Like little huts? Yeah. Eco the, yeah. something Jamaica. With like composting uh, toilets. And... Yeah. Wait, it was like tree houses. Um, let me see if I can find it. I'm sure I can find it. Anyway, I found this, this, uh, it was like in the middle of nowhere, like in Jamaica. I, I, I remember I, I was the only white person I saw for a week, which was <laughs> interesting. You know, I'm Scandinavian. It's like, there's a lot of white people. Yeah. Um, um, it was like this, this kind of eco re nature resort. It was just, it was just in the jungle. They just built all these really like strange huts and tree houses and uh canopy I, I gotta find this oh that sounds so cool it was though. so cool I, I i remember i was in mexico i've been there for two weeks and i was like plenty to, great huts that might be it i was planning to go back to uh, new york and stay there for like a month but mm -hmm. um but i was like ah Actually, it was like I saw the weather forecast in New York. It was like October or something. It's like I don't, I don't <laughs> want to go there. So, so I was like, I just looked at plane tickets to random places. So I ended up in Jamaica and Cuba alone. And um, yeah, this is it called Great Huts. Is in the middle of nowhere in Jamaica. Anyway, so it's like in the jungle on the cliff. They just built all these weird like wooden houses. If anyone is listening to this, you can just look up Great Huts. It's very cool. It's like super. Oh, it looks a bit more modern than than this, but it's like literally just living in the jungle. And so I got this this uh, honeymoon suite, <laughs> which was like a hut <laughs> on the edge of like a cliff, just like a straight drop. Um, oh shit! I'm sure I can find it. Maybe they tore it down. Anyway, and um, so there was no. It was just a hut in the jungle, built out of like. Uh, what do you call it? Like bamboo? It was like bamboo wall. Mm -hmm. I'm sure I can find it here. Anyway, and there's like no door. The door was just like a piece of 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 like fabric, pretty much. Yeah. And it was completely open, and the, the yeah the the door the the walls were just like bamboo. What do you call them? Like just like 
bamboo like reeds yeah yeah exactly yeah so it was completely open and i remember i think i think it probably had the kind of the, the same feeling i remember when i came there's a little nice note saying if you don't like this place if it's not you it's fine we're going to give you a refund so <laughs> <laughs> they're probably pretty used to hearing from people like i cannot do this because it was like straight up jungle um, right <laughs> and um it's very cool oh i haven't seen this for years but yeah any, anyone want to see this can look it up it's called great huts it's it's kind of it's a little bit more modern now than it was back then but uh anyway so i stayed there the first night and this was like like in the early years of me trying oh, okay eight so it's like 25 anyway it's so definitely first time i just slept in a jungle oh yeah and i just didn't sleep the whole night because i was there's like insects crawling over the bed and like, <laughs> I'd only seen a mosquito in my life or something, you know. <laughs> and, and I just could not sleep. But anyway, after a few days, it just felt like I just slept like an absolutely like a baby, you know. I just didn't. Oh, I bet. It was it was so comforting, just kind of just to let go and accept that I cannot lock the door, you know. If there's right. a fucking like a monkey coming in here in the middle of the night it it can do whatever <laughs> it can do whatever it wants with me like yeah. i cannot stop it and i think just accepting that that just kind of made everything easier for me you know i could finally relax and it is about accepting it i think you know like i i that that note's interesting i i think you know a lot of people don't kind of let go very often until and until you're put into a situation like that where you just I mean what are you going to do you know there's no alternative to just accepting <laughs> the fact that you can't close the wood door or that's it you know accepting that anything could you know come through your hut and you know what's the worst that could happen and it's that acceptance that I don't think a lot of people can really handle you know mentally well, definitely not in the beginning, I, you know, it takes some, takes some mm -hmm. practice. Huh? You got It's like, I remember. Oh, when, for sure. <clears throat> I remember when I moved here, I had heard that people don't, most people just don't lock their doors or their car or anything. Mm -hmm. And then I was like, oh, you know, I was like thinking about it. Like when I moved here and I was like, oh, can I even do that? Can I, can I sleep at night with my, with my door unlocked? Uh, because that's what I heard people did, right? It's like my friend who mm. bought a house and he said like, oh, uh, when he bought it, they're like, oh, we can't find the key, but it's got to be here somewhere. And then like <laughs> 10 years later, they sold the house. They're like, oh, I still can't find the key. <laughs> and I was like genuinely worried about that. Uh, yeah. And then I came here. I was like, Shit, can I sleep? Can I sleep with my door unlocked? I lock the door every single night for my entire life. And, and, uh, the lock didn't work in the door, so I couldn't lock it anyway. So I could just have, just have had to accept that from the beginning. So, well, that was fine. You know? I haven't locked yeah. it since. But it is kind of nice. You know, I, I that reminds me, my first, I think one of my first really long-term uh, traveling experiences was uh, to Guatemala. I was in college. We, uh, I did a um, a semester abroad in Guatemala. So we, we actually had classes in Antigua, Guatemala, which is a wonderful place. Maybe not so much right now. Um, but when we were there, it was, it was pretty, uh, pretty relatively safe <laughs> for Central America. And, um, we went to, we did some trip 
and we went up to the middle of Guatemala and we went to this, like these, there was this river and it flow flow uh, over these um, or float over these limestone kind of caves and form these really brilliant turquoise pools. And there was this one little kind of traveler's retreat there. It was, um, you know, the place, if you, you Google it, the place is called Samuk Champay. And um, the place was called El Retiro. And there was, a, you know, a lot of gringos, a lot of, you know, travelers from all over. They would stay in these huts. And, and it was the first time, just like that, it was the first time that I've stayed anywhere where we didn't have doors. Um, these, the huts were on stilts and it was just like you described. It was just a piece of fabric hanging in front of this door. And there were a couple of cots and these little tree houses and it overlooked the river. And, you know, the first night was little, it was like, it, it was, it, you know, there's, you don't, your normal routine of, you know, closing your door and, you know, mm going to bed it wasn't it was non-existent so the first night was a little interesting and then the second and third night was just you know I, I think I would say hands down that was probably some of the best sleep I've ever gotten in my life mm. yeah I think there's definitely something to that like it's it's a skill to learn just to kind of accept that you know if you try to avoid everything that can happen, then it might consume you in a way. You know, it's like traveling mm -hmm. or it's, you know, driving a bus across a continent. <laughs> you know? It's like if you constantly worry about everything that can happen, then that worry is probably heavier on your mind than what actually will happen. You know? Oh, sure. I, think, I, I definitely, I definitely have that experience from traveling. That just if you, you at some point you just got to let go and kind of accept things you know like yeah oh well. yeah definitely i mean prepare you know have certain things in set for the worst of cases like i i always have a little set of you know especially because it's 50 years old you know something's gonna rattle off or fall off or break or you know what have you and so i have like a, a little toolkit of spare parts and you know tools and you know stuff that i i know i can fix if I find myself 200 miles from anywhere. Um, but like I exactly, you know, if I worried about every little thing that, that would happen to me, I would never leave my driveway. Just make sure you always bring a strong judo chop. <laughs> yeah. Just in case you need it. No, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> We've learned that from every single movie from the eighties and nineties. Judo chop. Right. <laughs> That's like all you need. Uh, these poor new generation of kids don't even know. They don't even know. We're not going to tell them about that technique. Um, <laughs> yeah. What about, um, so what did you recommend to someone who was like, would think, hey, I could maybe live in a bus. Oh, I can, man, I can change my voice it. if I have to. <laughs> yeah. I think the biggest challenge is can you deal with public bathrooms? Right. Have, have you survived the IBJJF Europeans in Portugal? <laughs> then you're good to go. You qualify. <laughs> we just we just have to see your 2013 IBJJF membership card. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, I think you know people are always going to surprise themselves. You know what? How much they can handle? How little they can live with? 
And are you talking you about the Europeans now or living in a bus? <laughs> yeah, both. <laughs> Definitely both. Um, but mostly living in a bus, right. you know, <laughs> like, because you, you can't, yeah, you just, you can't live a normal life when you're living in a bus. You have to be adaptable and you don't know how adaptable you are until you, you're in situations where you really have to adapt, which is, is empowering in a lot of ways. Mm. Um, you know, especially for, you know, women, I would it's, I think there's still this idea and, and it is, it, there's some validity to it. There's still this idea that a, a lone woman shouldn't travel by herself. You know, there's the, the risks are just too great. And I think that keeps a lot of women from doing kind of really incredible things and surprising themselves and, and kind of becoming something more than, than they are, is this fear. And I think in the travels, I've found that being a woman, I've actually encountered a lot more people willing to help me if I am in, in any kind of situation, you know, and, and with jujitsu, it's been, I, I can't imagine having tried the bus life without jujitsu, to be honest, because wherever I go, and, and especially at, in these days, jujitsu is everywhere. Wherever I go, I can make contact with a jiu-jitsu gym, jiu-jitsu people, and I automatically have a support system. If anything goes wrong, I have a set of uncles and brothers and sisters that are are, are going to get in their vehicle and come help me. So that's kind of been an, an interesting element of my, my van life journey, to be honest. Yeah, I can imagine. It's a good way to connect to people for sure when you're on your own. Mm-hmm. And helpless, you know, people like helping other people <laughs> as, as pessimistic as I can get about the future of this world. <laughs> I think for the most part, people enjoy helping other people. <laughs> doesn't get much worse than right now. No, no, it doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, so we hope. Um, did, were you ever at any point like tired of it or did you want to just quit and get yourself a condo? With Not a, really. With a, with a big you know, fridge. And I, <laughs> yeah. I one thing I did, you know, miss uh, when I was van lifing is is baths. Like a just a big bathtub that I could just go to whenever I wanted to or, or soak in Epsom salt when it was a heavy day of training. Um, but I never really tired of it. Uh, the, the only reason I got a house um, is when I moved to Tucson and I moved to Tucson Partly to be closer to my family, partly to kind of work at this nonprofit that was incorporating like jujitsu and judo into kind of the school systems. And so that was my thesis in grad school is I, I did a paper on the benefits of jujitsu for at-risk youth. And there here was this nonprofit doing just that for uh, a community of underprivileged kids in South Tucson, my hometown. And so I moved back to Tucson to kind of, to be involved in that. And it's just really hard to van life in Tucson full-time, uh, unless you have a really sophisticated air conditioning system and solar panel unit, which I, I don't have. Um, 
So I was kind of forced in a way to move out of the bus living here in Tucson. And so with the money I saved uh, on rent, I put a down payment on a house. And now Bonnie Clyde is my part-time van lifer. Um, But I think about it all the time, you know, just selling everything and going back on the road because it was so much simpler, such a simple life. You didn't have to worry about utility payments. You didn't have to worry about you know, somebody breaking in and stealing your furniture and your TV. And, you know, you didn't have to worry about renters or mortgage payments or anything like that. <sighs> Even now, you know, I just itch to just kind of get back to ultra minimalism with the van life. Do you think you are going to get back to it at some point or? I think so. Unless I'm, I kind of get stuck doing, you know, into this like career that I really, you know, I, I see as the rest of my life, I'm still kind of a wanderer. <laughs> so there's a definitely a 50% chance I could get back into the van life full time. How many things did you have in that van? I mean, you must have, have caught it down pretty well. Oh man. I had one suitcase of clothing. Um, I had a couple of, boxes of training gear i had my bed and some sheets and two pillows i had some cooking utensils a cooker i had a box of important documents <laughs> like my passport um and yeah that was it i didn't have a whole lot <laughs> and you didn't need a whole lot no, you know, I, I, yeah, you know, as long as you had enough underwear to make it to the next laundromat, you're good. Yeah, I remember, <laughs> I remember when I did that around the world trip, it was like, <clears throat> even at home, I didn't really have anything. You know, I just, I tried to get rid of as much stuff as possible in that period. Mm -hmm. I just, my parents just had a laptop and some clothes. Yeah, that's it. and my laptop. Yeah, that's it. And but then when on the road, I really like it. It became like a almost an art form to cut down on things to carry along. But I, oh, I, I sure. feel, you know, when you put every single item on the bed, and, you, and every single one of them is kind of like <laughs> this sounds weird. It's like they're like a friend. Like, <laughs> yeah, your travel partner. <laughs> oh, that sucks. <laughs> we've been, we've been yeah. through so much together. <laughs> Yeah, your flip-flop <laughs> that finally gives out and you shed a tear for it. <laughs> yep, yeah, that's it. No, I think I think I connected with with, think, with everything I own there in a different way, in a strange, strange uh, way. I could just imagine it's the same and like because you don't want to drive around with all kinds of stuff. No, exactly. I mean, it's very, very different when everything you own is on your back <laughs> and you have to walk with it, you know, from place to place. Um, but it was, you know, I, I, I was very connected to the few items I owned and I, but I still, you know, found things to get rid of. I mean, living in a bus, you, you do have just a little bit of space to put something that you may not use very often. And so occasionally I would go through and, you know, I would chuck things that, you know, I, I didn't use, I didn't really need. And it was kind of liberating because 
even though it wasn't the case, I felt like, okay, if I, I offload maybe this box of stuff, maybe I'll go a little faster on the highway. <laughs> um, and it doesn't really have a basement where you just throw stuff into it. No, no. I had a roof rack, but I only ever used it for the spare tire. And, you know, I didn't want to put anything up there because I was living on the streets. And, you know, sometimes I would have to leave my bus on the street. And so anybody could jack something. You know, I, I had a actually I did have something stolen off the top of my bus. Um, I had a a canister of spare gas. And one day I came back and it was missing. You know, somebody had just, you know, jumped up there, grabbed it and went on their merry way. <laughs> so everything I, I valued had to be inside the, the bus. How about like jujitsu laundry? Yeah. So I spent a lot of time at laundromats because of that. Because um, you don't want to leave your stinky geese and rash guards in the bus for very long. It's not a very large area and it can really ripen fast. We've all made that um, mistake and we don't even live in the car. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. So I had a, a bucket, you know. At first, I had a bucket with a top on it, um, and then I would just, every two days, I would go spend some time at the laundromat, which had Wi-Fi, so it was perfect, because I would, in that hour that I would wait for my laundry to, to wash and dry, I would get a lot of work done, but I would have to be there about every two days. That no geese season was great. Jiu-Jitsu lifestyle. Yeah, the <laughs> God, endless, endless um <laughs> hours of laundry they uh what what's that meme of the i guess this chick is looking out a, a window of an airplane and uh it's a jiu-jitsu meme and they're they're actually looking into like the the washer full of laundry <laughs> what's the, what the jiu-jitsu is supposed or what you think the jiu-jitsu life is and what it actually is <laughs> it's very true all right um yeah that you made it to when was your first camp was was that heidelberg 2018 it was heidelberg mm -hmm. yeah oh heidelberg i hope we can go back this summer but yeah. let's see nobody knows how long this world nobody is going to keep knows. burning there's so many conspiracies about it too yeah especially i hang except out for, with a lot except of for, planners <laughs> Except for 5G. <laughs> that, is, that is not a conspiracy. Right. <laughs> yeah. My God. Oh, my God. It's horrible. Well, one, one good thing about this is that I really cleaned up my Facebook feed. From, like, just block a ton of people who, like, post. If you, oh. me if you mention 5G on my Facebook, I have, like, an automatic filter that just blocks you forever. Like, oh, I really? <laughs> oh, my God. Uh. you almost when this first started you almost needed a filter for uh um all the covid responses and everything oh it's horrible yeah oh and the the whole uh ibjgf fiasco holy cow oh the globe oh the the globe trust thing yeah that got heated fast yeah, he also kind of died fast when <laughs> Jiu-Jitsu just <laughs> stopped existing completely. 
<laughs> yeah. I was like, oh, well, I guess that's not important anymore. <laughs> so, uh, it's like, oh, well, oh, that thing we, we all got like super upset about was probably not very important. <laughs> <laughs> In the grand scheme of things. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it is what it is. It is what it is. We're just going to go with the flow. All right. Well, I think, well, as I said, I always imagine 20 minutes, but it's been an hour and 20 minutes. So <laughs> maybe I should get. get We're on straight. Brazilian time. Yeah. That's good. <laughs> well, um, thanks for calling in. I apologize about the poop stories, but <laughs> you asked for it. So but he loves a good poop story. <laughs> yeah, you asked for it. <laughs> okay. Um, it just let's imagine that that uh, jujitsu actually uh, is possible again. Is do you have do you have planned any camps or I don't remember? Did you have anything planned? Yeah, we had the Phoenix one planned here in my home state in December. Right, we moved it to December. That's right. Yeah, it was supposed to be March, like two weeks after COVID started, or uh, actually COVID hit US, I guess. Yeah, that was. Uh, yeah, I think we we had to cancel it like a week and a half before. Yeah. But yeah. pretty glad I didn't go there. I'm stuck in. <laughs> yeah, although I think the Arizona is one of the lowest uh, incidences of coronavirus in yeah. the US right now. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, we'll see. I am sure that things will get back to normal at some point. Otherwise, yeah, there's definitely uh, a light at the end of this tunnel, I hope. Otherwise, I'll be doing quite many podcast episodes. Okay. Um, well, have a nice evening, Heather, and uh, we'll stay in touch. You too, definitely. And good luck um, with everything. Stay safe out there. Yeah, Thank you. All right. See you. Bye. All right. Take care. That's it for this episode. I hope you enjoyed the interview. Um, as always, if you want to listen to our older episodes, just go to bjjglobetrotters.com slash podcast, or you can look it up on uh, Apple Podcasts as well if you have an iPhone or um, something like that. I'll be back soon with another episode, another quarantine special. Um, hopefully there won't be too many of these, but let's see how that goes. I hope you will have a nice day or evening or wherever you are in the world. And um, catch you soon.